pop-up corals and heavy water. Then another news for the week ending April 24th, 2016. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. Last Sunday and Monday, up to 20 inches of rain fell in parts of Houston, Texas. At least eight people died in their cars, and many had to be rescued. Many people were evacuated, and in addition, alligators, snakes, and other wildlife were in the water looking for higher ground. Damage estimates go as high as nearly $2 billion. People in Houston are learning that development in one part of the metro area can affect other parts of town. One of the major problems, according to Samuel Brody, a professor at Texas A&M, is pavement. It doesn't absorb water. He told CNBC that every square meter of pavement in Houston translates into about $4,000 of extra flood damage. Growth and development have covered up many wetland areas that would have acted as natural ponds. The heavy rains have to find somewhere to go, and in this case, it was into people's living rooms. The state climatologist told the Houston Chronicle that the city will see storms like this one again, and that he expects an increase in rainfall of up to 7% for each degree of global warming. The Obama administration announced last week that it is buying water from a country you would not expect. The U.S. will pay Iran about $8.5 million for 32 metric tons of heavy water. It's part of the deal under which Iran agreed to limit its atomic program in exchange for relief from sanctions. Heavy water is not radioactive, but it can be used for research and medical applications such as MRIs. The downside is that it can also be used to convert uranium into plutonium for use in nuclear weapons. The U.S. has not produced heavy water since 1981. Currently, Canada and India are the U.S. suppliers. The process to create heavy water is in itself water intensive. It takes nearly 350,000 pounds of what's called feed water to make one pound of heavy water. So the Department of Energy has been eyeing the Iranian source for some time. Republicans lambasted the deal, saying it would give Iran's radical regime more cash. Speaking of atomic energy, China is planning to build a fleet of floating nuclear power plants. The country wants to provide power to controversial man-made islands it created in the South China Sea. China wouldn't be the first country to develop civilian floating reactors. The U.S. built one on a ship in the 1960s to provide electricity to the Panama Canal Zone. While the concept of floating nuclear power plants is not new, their use in the South China Sea is worrisome as the area is prone to typhoons and the very existence of the islands is making the region tense. Ever since awareness was raised about lead in the Flint water system, people in other places have been asking about their own local pipes. The EPA has issued a call to water utilities across the country to post information online about the number and locations of risky lead pipes. But the USA Today reports that there's been resistance in about 12 states to disclosing that information. For example, South Dakota's representative told the EPA that they do not have the information readily available and don't don't intend to spend valuable staff resources sifting through the microfilm to get it. Other states expressed similar concerns, and some said that privacy matters made them hesitant to post locations of lead pipes. But a few states, like Mississippi and Ohio, are requiring the information to be disclosed by set dates. And in Boston and Cincinnati, the online inventory is already available. 
When oceanographer Patricia Yeager went to study the Amazon River in Brazil, she got more than she expected. Yeager and a team of researchers were looking to understand how the ocean absorbs carbon dioxide. But what they got instead was a discovery of a lifetime, a 600-mile coral reef that wasn't supposed to be there. Coral reefs thrive in clear, salty, sunlit waters along tropical shelves, not in murky plumes where rivers wash piles of sediment to the sea. But there it was. Compared to many other reefs, the scientists say this one is relatively impoverished. Despite that, they found over 60 species of sponges, 73 species of fish, spiny lobsters, and other reef life. The discovery can help researchers better understand how reefs tolerate harsh conditions, conditions that are on the rise worldwide because of global warming. The news comes at a time when the Great Barrier Reef in Australia is experiencing the worst mass coral bleaching event in its history. As exciting as the discovery is, the corals are said to be in grave danger. The Brazilian government has sold 80 blocks for oil exploration right on top of the reef. And finally, if you're like us, you keep a glass of cold, delicious water on your nightstand. But when you wake up in the morning and take a swig, it tastes a bit meh. But why? SciShow, the YouTube channel that explains stuff, posted the following possible explanations last week. Possible reason number one, many water providers add compounds containing chlorine to destroy bacteria and viruses. Overnight, as water sits out in the open air, the chlorine evaporates. Because we're used to drinking water with a hint of chlorine, after sitting for a while, it doesn't taste the same. Possible reason number two, when CO2 from surrounding air makes its way into our water, it blends with H2O molecules to form carbonic acid. This makes the water more acidic and therefore less refreshing. Possible reason number three, temperature. Cold temperatures can suppress your sense of taste. So when you drink cold water, you aren't always tasting its bouquet, if you will. And warm water has faster moving molecules that can amplify taste and can reveal the water for how it really seems stale. But we know you're concerned with the bottom line. Is your glass of water safe despite all this midnight alchemy? Totally. Unless, of course, a spider crawled in it, in which case, let's just say you got some extra protein in your diet. This Week in Water is sponsored by the American Water Works Association. Unite the world of water at AWWA's ACE 16 in Chicago, June 19th through 22nd. Learn more at awwa.org forward slash ACE 16.